So beautiful to see family and operation all around the room. This is what we're here for, right? I wanted just to ask if anybody has anything they'd like to share of what God has done in your life this week so we can all rejoice with you. Anybody here have a testimony or something you would like to share that we can all celebrate that God has done in your life this week? Don't all rush at once. Roger's coming. Yay, that'll get us started. <laughs> Good morning. So uh, what has God done this week? He's uh, forcing me to interact with people that I don't necessarily like and stretching me that way. Hey, let's be honest, right? Some people get under your skin and Father says love them anyway. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, he uh, also reminded me this morning that uh, he is the God of and suddenly. Um, so to pay attention and to be ready is a whole ordeal, apparently. Which, hey, I'm stretching me that way, too. Um, he's also showing me that uh, I actually have a place and a gifting and that it's okay to be myself and to use it in that blunt, direct way. Lovingly, though, that's the, that's the kicker on that one. I don't just get to willy-nilly just have smack people across the face. So, um, you know, so, yeah, it's, he's good. He's very good. And he wants, he's wants us to grow and to, to love and be loved. So, yeah. That's awesome. Thank you. Yeah, that's that whole verse about speaking the truth in love, isn't it? It's kind of, you know, trying to get the two blended in the right balance can always be a challenge. Anybody else? I don't know that I have any one thing, but I just wanted to um, come before uh, my extended loving family and just, I just want to tell God thank you. <laughs> and I want to proclaim it in front of everybody because I feel like there has been such a, um, I don't know, like, what, 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 why, 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 where, where, when, 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 and I'm like in this place in my head and it's like in and out, in and out, and I'm, I'm tired of being in there. So I'm going to stand before all of you and tell you that God is good and that he has been uh, reminding me through many small things and many big things um, that he is good and he is still our source and he is still our strength and he is still our rock and he is still our provider and he is still our source of provision and he is still there. So thank you. Amen. All right. Well, we, as you can see on the screen, have a theme of freedom this month and uh, great to hear a couple of testimonies of how God's been bringing more freedom, freedom to be yourself, you know, freedom to be who God made you to be. And I think that's a very good... Carol, did you want to share? Sorry. Missed it. <laughs> because Mark just mentioned freedom. Last week at our leaders meeting, Mark says, how's everybody doing? <laughs> I said, I'm frustrated. Because since August, I've been without wheels, doctor's orders. And I will be without wheels until I thought it was the 1st of March. I miscalculated. It's the 1st of February. <laughs> so that's exciting. But where did he go? Well, there you are. Roger said to me that night after I shared, he said, Carol, what does freedom look like to you? What does freedom mean? And what is God saying? So I took that home and I pondered on that for a while. And it wasn't so much as not having the car. I have plenty of people that will come and make sure I get to where I need to be or where I want to be. The thing is that the Lord showed me, it's that it's not sitting outside my door because I have loaned it so it's not a temptation to get in it and drive. So I was sharing this then again on Wednesday, and my dear friend who left the room, I think, uh, Renee said, I have a different take on that freedom. You've given up your freedom so that someone else can have 
freedom. And that was, that just really ministered to me. So, yeah, it's all about freedom this month, and God has shown me a lot. That's great. Thank you, Carol. So, pardon? Yes, I do want to pray. Father, thank you for all that you've been teaching Jane about freedom. And thank you for the beautiful way that she's been releasing that to each of us so we can enjoy it with her and with you. And I believe you've prepared her heart to impart to us again this morning, Father, a greater sense of freedom, uh, a greater sense of becoming who we were made to be, and the key is to enable us to work with you and walk with you into that place. So thank you for her, and thank you for these folks whose hearts are open to receive all that you're going to speak through her now. In Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I titled this morning's talk, Learning is Easy, Forgetting is Hard. I wonder if I should just go on that side, actually. All right. We have been on a on a journey, thinking about uh, things that we do in our life, patterns and different behaviors and thoughts that we have. And these were all things that um, became part of us uniquely as we grew up and as we've journeyed through life. And um, these things sort of took a place in us, but actually changing them is a lot harder than how they were introduced. Um, an interesting thing that I heard someone say is, we wouldn't do anything twice if we weren't getting something out of it. I thought that is very interesting. That we, why do we find ourselves stuck in patterns, some of them painful, some of them destructive? Why do people repeat unhealthy, unproductive behavior? Somewhere in life, this behavior served a purpose. And now we find we're still doing that behavior, but hate it. And we can't even remember why we started it. That behavior is no longer serving me. I'm serving it. So in the past two teachings, we spoke about being saved, where are we saved? In our spirit. We spoke about being saved, and that's in our soul. And so we are saved, each one. I, I know that there's, there's been some salvation in this room, several, a couple at least that I'm thinking of, salvations in this room where our spirit has, is vibrantly alive now with, with Father and now we're on a journey of our souls being able to be renewed. And so these behaviors that we have, I wonder if you can think of anything yourself, things that you sort of like, why do I keep doing that? Or things we would really like to do but we don't do. Um, so here's an interesting thing. We continue to live after we are saved by the same set of rules we lived by before we were saved. That's a problem. That's a problem. So I'm going to start with something that is going to be dear to everyone's hearts. Everyone has four basic needs. Each one of us. Number one is unconditional love and acceptance. That's what we need. Number one. I love you. I love you. That's what God says. I love you. I love you all I ever can and all I ever will. And there's nothing you can do, good or bad, that can make me love you any more or any less. My love for you has nothing to do with performance. No strings attached. Number two. 
we have a basic need for a sense of worth and value. My life matters. Do you know that? Your life matters. We need to know that we have a contribution to make. Someone somewhere is glad that you're in their life and that you came their way. I think we have a great example in the back. (laughs) Helen and Diane can both say, I'm so glad that you're in my life. I'm so glad you came and knocked on my door, right? And now you have a sense of worth and a sense of value and that your life matters. Your life mattered before, but now you get to see it in action. Number three, belonging. I'm not alone and never will be no matter what I do. Our friendships and our connections help us know that we belong. I'm not alone. Before we have these connections, we can feel that we're alone. You know, Carol can feel isolated, but because of our connections, because God has given us relationships, he's given us family, he's given us friends, he's given us a church family, and through that we can start to really know that we belong and that we matter. And the fourth one is that we have a need for adventure. I have a destiny Do you know that you need something bigger than yourself? Not just want it. You need something bigger than yourself. And we have something bigger than ourselves. We have God, (laughs) which is great. It says in the Bible that without a vision, we perish. And so even a lot of you will be, you know, writing down some of the things that God's been doing, recording some of the beautiful things he's, he's, um, he's, speaking to you and he as we delight in him he gives us the desires of our hearts as we delight in him that's what we've been doing this morning delighting in in God and then he will give us the desires of our hearts two ways of looking at that if I have desires that we know he's put in there as I delight in God those things start to be activated Another thing is, if you're not quite sure what he want, has put in you, as you delight in the Lord, he will give you desires of your heart. You know, I had a season in my life where, and I really am not as intentional as I was at that point, but every week I would spend like two hours just soaking. And that means that I just, um, I had you know children at school or asleep or whatever, and I turned the phones off. And um, I just lay on the floor, I got comfortable, and I put some worship music on, and I just lay there, and I said, God, this is your time. I'm not trying to prove anything, I'm not trying to change anything, I'm just being. Do you think something happened at that point? Not obviously. I just was consistent, and I just did that. But then, other times... Interestingly, when I was in my half-sleep, if I was having a nap and just dozing off or whatever, I would see words, I would see music, and I kept paper by my bedside so I could write it down. Every day, God gave me a song. Every day, a new song. He showed me. I just copied it out from what I was seeing. All because I was just being but it wasn't the song then but it was something when he's like he's like he breathed on it and he stirred up what was in me what's in you what's in you that he's stirring up he's got a calling on you he's stirring up what is you and as you sit even in his presence this week as you sit in his presence right now he's stirring it up so father thank you for the unique the unique thing that you have put in each one of us whether we're just a brand new Christian a brand new follower of Jesus or whether we have been walking with him a while thank you for Holy Spirit that you're stirring us stirring it up because I couldn't have written that music I don't want to write music that I've just tried to make I want to record and capture the sounds of heaven and so it's a supernatural thing. We could try with our we could try with our effort, right? It's it's not going to be the same as when we just let him carry us and flow through us. So, 
the three basic needs, unconditional love and acceptance, a sense of worth and value, belonging and adventure. Why don't we just say that together? I have four basic needs. Number four basic Unconditional love and acceptance. A sense of worth and value. My life matters. Belonging. I'm not alone and never will be no matter what I do. And I have a need for adventure. I have a destiny. And there's somebody who doesn't want you to fulfill your destiny. That's the enemy. Right? He has a voice that comes along and nibbles and and it's it's not more powerful but sometimes it can be loud and actually um our counselor chip a few you know years ago he said to me you've got to work out which voice you're listening to which voice are you listening to are you listening to the we give it a lot of power sometimes and it's just this little snapping lying voice from the enemy why is he talking to us what's he trying to do Distract us, steal away, right? Destroy. All right, that little, I'm sorry? Lie. You know, you go back to Genesis and it was a lie that led Adam and the woman astray. And these little lies, the enemy comes along. And if these basic needs are not met in our life, then we're going to hurt in some way. So um, we have the joy of beautiful sounds of family, and we, uh, we love that. So I'm just loving. We have sounds of family in this room. Family and household, where we grew up, is one of the most powerful forces in our lives. And that can be for good, but it can also have some bad parts to it because all of us are a work in progress, right? And so as parents, we are a work in progress. And so a family that is still yet to discover more of um, its own sense of destiny, it, how to relate. You know, we have different things. Our, our family had a certain way of relating, you know, and it was very much how are you doing on the outside and like getting really, uh, you know, doing well and how did you do in your exams and everything like that. Oh, I was very loved, but there's just different things that are built in that we assimilate and we think, well, this is really important or whatever. What other things? Relationships and activities. So uh, this affects all of us. We've come from good families. We've come from um, families that are a little bit more broken. But all of us are affected by some sort of dysfunction in in our patterns of thinking. We learn our basic patterns and style of relating very early in life. And we take this with us as we live into being an adult. This is very interesting. No matter how unhealthy it is, we feel at home there. This was very interesting to me. Someone said it was like a thermostat. My My family had a certain thermostat that was, this is my norm. Actually, I used to go by and try and flick it up a bit because it was so cold. We lived in England and it was... Actually, I still do that when I visit. My brother-in-law does that. He just walks in and turns it up. (laughs) My parents are amazing. Very very good stewards. So um, everything produces after its kind. Leave that picture up, please. Um, Patterns, family patterns of relating are developed strengthened and passed down from generation to generation. It's called transgenerational sowing. So one family will do something and it sows into that child and then that child reaps it and then they sow it further on. So it just keeps on harvesting more fruit and actually growing. This can be a good thing or it can be a bad thing and we can actually have good and bad going through as well. Um, But there's a sense where I feel at home in in, in something so I funny story this is very very silly I um, as a young girl I went to visit my friend and the mum said well what do you want to eat and I said she offered eggs and I said oh yes I, I didn't really know but yes eggs well she cooked them my mum used to cook them in, in a little little dish above the, the steam 
And so they came out like really like a little cup, a poached egg, and it was on a on toast. And she cooked hers fried, and it was all like brown around the edges. I cried. I cried. I'm like, I don't feel at home. And that was a very deep thing. It's, I know it's a silly example, but I literally didn't. I felt homesick for how my mum did the eggs. That's a, a silly example, but it's very clear that we all have a thermostat. That was normal to them. was not normal to me. <laughs> um, here's an example. Um, our counsellor... Um, Talk, spoke about a couple that had come in for counselling. The wife, so we talk about the thermostat, we can have sort of like a range. So, you know, one family might have it in a really cold at one point and really hot, and another one might just always keep it at 65 forever through the whole year or whatever. Like, okay, so whatever it is, example. So the wife had a normal, acceptable bandwidth of emotion. She got angry, she got happy, she got sad, all appropriate. The husband had grown up with a very narrow thermostat setting, and that's where he felt at home. Now they're married. He brought them, um, this man, he brought this mini school range into the marriage, and so, sort of like a stone faced posture that didn't change. And so, when his wife got animated, just a little bit angry or a little bit whatever, he was like shut down, like, what is this? It's the, the eggs cooked the wrong way, you know. <laughs> And he thought something was wrong. But through counselling, he learned to stretch his band a little bit. And she learned to see that there was enough opening and and reaction that she felt like it was okay, you know. So um, our thermostat has to adjust as we go into life. When we leave home, we take that setting with us. And adults interacting later in life with friends and in marriage have to adjust to others with different thermostat settings. All right, so we just said that we continue to live after salvation by the same rules we lived by before we were saved. So I'm going to tell you that, um, talk about some emotions, fear and love. Fear and love are two core emotions of humanity. Fear and love are the two most dynamic forces within us. A fundamental emotion driving humanity is the fear of rejection. People from every walk of life contend with this as their number one fear. And we do about anything we can to avoid rejection. The Bible says in 1 John 4, perfect love casts out fear. Do you know what perfect means? Perfect means complete and mature. So this verse is that love that completes itself casts out fear. Love that meets its own conditions casts out fear. Uh, We discover fear. We discover a few things in Genesis, uh, Genesis 3, where um, it's after... uh, the, the woman and Adam, they've eaten of the, of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. They've eaten the apple. And all of a sudden, oh, we could have brought in a fig leaf. All of a sudden, their world changed. And they suddenly, it says, I, Adam says, God says, where are you? And he says, I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid myself. I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid myself. Were any of those featured in his life before? He didn't know fear before. He didn't know he was naked before. And he'd never had to hide from his creator, who was actually longing to reconnect with him. <clears throat> but he looked through the filter of his own failure and his own guilt and shame And that caused him to know fear, being naked, and to hide. How many of us are afraid? I was afraid. That's a lot of the things that we deal with. Because I was naked, Adam dreaded exposure of being seen for who he really was. And we're still living under that cloud that if you really knew who I was, 
you wouldn't like me and you would reject me. Remember we said we try to avoid rejection at all costs. So I hid myself behind, what do we hide behind? You probably already picked one already. <laughs> Accomplishments, titles, isolation, insulation, masks, people-pleasing, being happy for someone else to be happy, all of it lacking a deep abiding sense of peace, of being fully accepted for who we really are. And so we have a, a little cycle that we go around. <clears throat> this is the bad news cycle, and then there's a good news cycle. But we need to know what the bad news one is first, because it's to do with shame. Shame is when it's not that I've some, done something bad, it's that I am bad. It's not that I made a mistake, it's that I'm a mistake. Who do you think's telling us this? Uh uh. Father God is like, where are you, Adam? Do you think he knew? Like, where are you, Adam? In the cool of the day, they met every 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 morning and every evening in the garden that God created to be the place where he would come and meet. It's this beautiful set aside. He planted all these trees that were beautiful to look at and beautiful fruit to eat. He planted it specially for him to come and for us to meet with God and to live there. And that's where he's taking us back to. That's the good news. And so shame entered. And a shame-based identity gets us to spiral down into isolation. We're afraid to let anybody in so they don't even know that we need help. Now that's a problem, isn't it? Then we don't get the help and then we don't change. And so this leads to fear of rejection. I'm afraid to let you see the real me. If you see or knew me as I really am, you wouldn't like me and you'll reject me. And so we avoid true intimacy. We're isolated and insulated from other believers and other people. So we lack healthy and encouraging relationships. Has anyone done that? They've been in a, a season where they've just stepped out of community, stepped out of a life-giving environment, and they've ended up on their own and desperate for help, more desperate than ever before, and yet there's no one right there because that's where you are, hidden away and isolated. Remember, when we have shame, then we... We try and hide, and it gets layers and layers and layers and layers, and that just gets more and more of a thick layer, like a wall of protection. A wall of protection becomes a fortification that stops love coming in. You know, I had a lot of, I had a lot of layers of protection in my heart. When we went to Toronto, I, I saw God touching people's lives, and it was like, they were getting really like drinking of his presence and overflowing with his presence and getting so radically changed from disappointment and uh, disillusionment and failure and at the end of their tether and marriage is about to break up. That wasn't our case, but I had so many walls and I said, God, whatever it takes. Well, I had so many walls up that it took a while and it was like this wall of fortification was stopping the love coming through. And that was they had been my agreement with the enemy. And so as I, over the, over the four and a half years that we were there, I started to break my agreement with the, what I'd chosen with the enemy. And that wall came down. That wall came down all the way down to when I was first conceived and had made a choice. So we hide behind layers we do anything to avoid rejection. This means I lack healthy and encouraging relationships. And even I might get around you, but I'm not letting you in. Anyone done that? I might just be here, but I'm still just so weighted down by shame, so weighted down that it's too costly and too scary to let you in. That's, that's just a, a travesty of what God has designed us for. 
because he's designed us to receive fully from him and then he's put us next to somebody else who is also receiving from him and together we can hold hands and walk through life just as I'm seeing with Helen and Diane it's like you're holding hands and you're walking through life now with hope because you can do this together and when one's strong the other one's weak when you can't reach to put your necklace on the other one can you know it's like we're doing this together we're doing this together And so if I'm not letting you in because I'm, I had anorexia, like I, I hid, and I, was so, I couldn't even speak out what was going on. Um, nobody could come in, and personal deficiencies to, con- to continue. I was already ashamed to continue, and these worsened. And so this sort of reinforces, this is a quote from Chip. If God wants to tighten up on my character... He just has to put me in a room with other people, so I bump into them. (laughs) Um, He actually, I I would like to quote Chip at this point, because it is quite funny, and it's not really true of around here, I'm so glad to say. He he actually said, we don't need the devil, we've got each other, which is a (laughs) quote from Chip. But God puts us among other people because because it's like molecules and atoms that bump into each other and it's this chemical reaction this chemistry called community chemistry of molecules bumping into each other and reacting but in the right setting that that action and that bumping can be the place where we start to heal it's like we're a little bump and it's actually no I don't want to stay like I am and so it's such a beautiful invitation to um, because we're all bumping we're all we're all in this chemical reaction happening and so we can go on to the good news one before I start this you can join this this any at any point um, but we're going to start at the top where where um, where our hearts our spirits have said yes to God it says receive one another as Christ also received us that's in Romans 15 but this restored Christ-centered self-image. So the salvation story, my spirit, my spirit comes alive. And this salvation story, my, my soul is saying, from all these things, I don't feel great about myself. I don't feel okay. But the salvation story is going to overflow into my soul, into overflow into my emotions, my mind, my will. And, and it changes my self-worth. I discover, and I think you know this, Corey, I discover that Father God loves me as much as he loves Jesus. Isn't that amazing? He loves me as much as he loves Jesus, and he shows me my value. And so he's showing us our value. And he never lets us go. I love this. How much is someone worth? Sorry, how much is something worth to someone? How much is something worth to someone? Whatever they are willing to pay for it. How much am I worth? What happened? Jesus paid for it by giving his life. Isn't that profound? That is so beautiful. When I start, if I'm upset by something else around, I just think, how much am I willing to pay for this? They're so valuable. He's done this. What he has done is is enough. And this is, so now we don't have to wait to make someone else happy to feel okay about myself. It's nice to be liked, but now we don't need to be liked in order to be okay or feel okay. I have some scripture from 1 John 3 about maturing as children of God. See what kind of love the Father has given us that we should be called children of God. And so we are. Beautiful picture of children in our room. The reason why the world does not know us is it did not know him. Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared. 
but we know that when we when he appears we shall be like him because we shall see him as he really is as he is love casts out fear my self-worth now becomes completely disconnected from my performance my self-worth now becomes completely disconnected from my performance I learn that God loves me unconditionally it's a gift of salvation that we can't work for we can only receive and it does not require me to jump through bigger hoops higher standards set great big expectations for me to jump through in order to gain acceptance my value no longer depends on things I'm doing or not doing My value no longer depends on accomplishments that I've made or failures that I've caused or experienced. And my value no longer depends on how much or how many of all this I've done. And so positive and affirming affection and interaction, sorry, with others. This atmosphere that he puts us in of being around others who are discovering this too allows people in and we get to let people see in. While God works on me. We get to let God in to see the real me, knowing that God's already, he's still working on me. I'm not a finished project, product. Pro, product. I'm not finished yet. He's still working on me, but I can let you in to see the process in action. All right, how... Are you okay with that? Are you okay with that with each other? That you will, you will say, I am not finished. I'm not, I'm not done yet. But come and see what he's doing. And that's okay. Come and see what he's doing. So free to be myself while God works on me. I still want to improve certain areas of my life. But it's no longer to do with my self-worth. Now I'm not afraid to let you know the way I really am. I'm not afraid to let you see the real me. I'm able to be myself and can talk about my flaws without it hurting me because that's not where my self-esteem is built. You know, I talk about the anorexia. I talk about those things, but there's no pain there because that was a long time ago and God has used all that to show me his love. I talk about that because I want to say that that's where I was. I want to be transparent about the walk that I've had, but it doesn't have a hold on me now. I don't have a thought pattern of, pers- of self-punishment. That was what it was. That was the motivation to, to punish myself. I don't have that anymore. I, am deep, I deeply know that I'm loved. But I, I say all these things to break the ground for when we are still struggling with something and we're still learning it, that here is a, it's okay, we're on a journey, and you can come and have a look and see what's happening at the moment, and it's going to get better. It's going to get better. So we are planted in a network of caring and challenging relationships. I spent some time with YWAM and I had people in my life talking to me and like challenging some of my um, behaviors and beliefs. We need a network of relationships where we feel totally and completely accepted right now, just the way I am, um, Maybe two or three people have seen me at my worst and led me to Christ and they still like me. But we need those same relationships to be of the nature to help me become what God wants me to be. So those same relationships ideally are ones that love me right as I am, but they're also ones who want to challenge me to another level. And how much better to hear the truth from someone you know loves you compared with someone who actually has a problem with you because <laughs> that doesn't always come over in the same way, right? And so he's put us in a covenant community here because I guess we, by our presence here, we are saying, I want to be part of this community that's a fertile soil for change. This is, this is ground that is being tilled um, by the Holy Spirit and, and so we're being planted here. So in this community, I experience a balance or a recipe of grace and truth. Grace to be me and accept that, but truth to grow, truth to learn. And we're learning that balance as a, as a body, as a family. We're learning that balance, but it's been this journey of, I think, a huge amount of acceptance and just very gentle 
um, challenge because I feel like he's been taking us very tenderly to a place that we, are, we can be that for other people. So where there's the care and grace, yeah, we said that, and truth changes me. So now I get to experience personal growth and restoration. The personal growth and restoration that happens is supernatural. Because we only do the same things, we do them because they had a reason. And it has to be God from heaven intercepting and disrupting that. It can be other people telling me something, but it has to, in the end, be God speaking to my heart. Other people, they're they're part of that process, right? But in the end, it has to be that he drops it as a revelation. And so what other people come to do is be a confirmation of what God's doing. For me, going back to the anorexia, it's like people were trying to help but it was when God spoke to me directly and said that it was control and um, that wasn't a happy place to stay so I chose not to but we we do we, we want God's revelation so as we start to grow and change we begin to feel better about ourselves and actually start to like ourselves <laughs> that's really cool right <laughs> I didn't feel like I was happy in my own skin for a long time, but now I am enjoying being Jane and have a lot of fun. (laughs) And that invites more positive and affirming interactions and increases that network of care and challenge and change that will then come more easily. And this reverses the cycle of shame and um, enhances this one. And I get to overflow with thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is very powerful. Actually, in the middle of a night, two nights ago, I felt really quite unwell. <laughs> I was like feeling some really weird things, and I was like, "How? What? 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 No, this is horrible!" And I just, Mark just started praying for me, and I literally felt it lift off. I felt it lift off, and he said, "I've been praising. I've been thanking." Right. The power of thanksgiving, the power of of praise in the midst of wherever it is, it's it can be it's worship. Thanksgiving is worship, and we can just tune our hearts to thanksgiving in the midst of where it's not looking good, we can just be thankful, and it changed everything, and I felt great. Still feel pretty great. So we have a restored Christ-centered self-image because of all of this. More and more of my soul is coming into line. And so my spirit can... So God puts a revelation in my spirit. And now it doesn't bump against all the, all the, all the shame and everything. And it starts to permeate my soul. And now my soul gets to be changed with God's love and truth. And it affects my body as well. I'm just saying I felt better. And so, you know, if you're not yet um, with a spirit that's saying yes to God, but you come and join in with these people bumping around together and these molecules, you actually still are in an environment that is accepts you as you are, but wants to bump into you and, and help you grow. And at some point in that, you think, this isn't all too bad, you know. It actually feels really good. And then you just fall in. You just say, God, I just love this. And we just say, here I am, God. And so somewhere in that whole process, we say yes to him. And that's amazing. So I'm just going to finish with a couple well, a couple of scriptures that were so impactful. And it's really about the, what the Bible says about getting free. And um, I, was, I, I have really loved, I love doing this course. But these, these things were so helpful. And um, Matthew 12, and we actually have got it written out, so maybe you can just read it all together. Ready? When the unclean spirit has gone out of a person, it passes through waterless places, which are dry places, seeking rest, but finds none. Then it says, I will return to my house from which I came. And when it comes, it finds the house empty, swept, and put in order garnished 
Then it goes and brings with it seven other spirits more evil than itself, and they enter and dwell there. And the last state of that person is worse than the first, and so it will be with this evil generation. Ah. All right, so this scripture helps us um, understand that, you know, when we were in London, we, we had people when we were in our small group, and we didn't really understand the whole picture, and we were praying for, they had obvious demonic influences in them, and we would like praying, pray it out. And um, then they'd come the next week, and it would be background again. So they got a, a measure of freedom the one night, but they'd come back again, and it was still there. Why? Why? What's happening? And this scripture is going to tell us who would like to know why. It's going to be really life-giving to understand. Why does a man or a woman experience a breakthrough in God? Could be a powerful touch or deliverance or an impactful prayer experience or something in the word. Um, But then ends up worse than before. That's not good. And so... uh, The word empty. Um, Sorry? Oh, finds the house empty. Yes, thank you. I was wondering why that related. So empty means to um, cease from labor. To It's from the word in Greek, skalizo. And it means to cease from labor, to quit working, to loiter, to be at leisure, to be idle or to go on vacation. So this man or woman gets a touch from God and some deliverance and the evil spirit has been evicted. Off you go. And in that moment, life seems pretty good. But the man thinks he can just coast along and leave unchanged the way he thinks about his life, his relationships, his motivations and his finances. So the evicted demon has been present and influential in this person's life for a long time. He's been part of putting up the curtains and making himself quite at home. And he doesn't like being out there in a dry, waterless place. He can't, he's not at home. He's not got the same thermostat outside there. And so he says, I'm going to come back. He comes and looks and he sees that this house He's actually still got the same curtains up, the same way that everything is laid out with the kitchen and everything like this. That's my house. I'm just going back in. He finds it. Maybe it was just swept a little cleaner, put in order, put the cups away, dishwashers run. But he he actually says, "Um, I'm going back to my house. Whose house is it? God made it, it's our house, but he thinks it's his house because he feels at home there. Because it was just the same as before and he he didn't actually change enough of the house to make it unrecognizable to the enemy. And so it says about swept. The house is empty and it's swept. Oh, don't do that. Um, to sweep out, you know, we might just get a brush um, and just brush away the debris with a broom. But this is not really changing this home. What really needs to happen is this man needs to tear down the walls. This woman, lady, needs to tear down the walls, replumb it, rewire it. And it's going to make a lot of mess before it looks really good. It's hard and messy work, but we can't only, we cannot do just leave it empty and we can't just like sweep it. We've got to change this house. We've got to take some walls down, all right, to and put in order. Garnish is from the Greek cosmia. Could be to do with the cosmos, to put it back, and we're still worldly. Or it could be cosmetic, which is like, superficial changes it's not really changing me it's just on the outside and it's not a deep renovation of thought and so 
the biggest thing is when God's done something is we need to find out what what I need to change now that 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 evil spirit has gone or because he'll come and find a way back. Jesus in Luke 4 um, had been driven into the wilderness by the Holy Spirit and the devil came to him three times to tempt him and each time Jesus sent him running. Um, Verse 13, I'm going to misquote. Now when the devil had ended every temptation, he left and never came back. He left with his tail between his legs and never took another shot at him. No, he departed until an opportune time. And he waits in the, he lurks in the shadows and he he waits until we're, um, until we're feeling out of sorts a little. Um, it says, why is real freedom and lasting change so rare? Our experience of a new place in God just slips through our hands and we bounce back to being our old self again, like we were before. There are spirits assigned to you and your family line that have been working for generations to perfect their strategy. So when you have a breakthrough in God, the, the enemy comes back. He backs off a little way and then he gets into the shadows of your life, just staying outside your vision and your sensory range. And he's lurking and he's watching, waiting for an opportunity because the enemy is an opportunist. He's watching over you to become tired, offended, out of the word and prayer, spiritually out of sync, out of community, so that he can weasel his way back in. And guess what? He's good at it. So if you have a breakthrough in God, but you don't go to renovating your house of thought, your soul, or making the house he helped you build uncomfortable for him to ever want to come back, he's going to come back, and he's going to come back with vengeance. So we are going to change how we think and um, move our house around. And so to finish here, Jeremiah 1. Um, it says here, See, I have this day set over the, over the nations and over the kingdoms to root out, pull down, destroy, throw down, build, and plant. Six. Okay, four of those, two-thirds of this process are destructive. We're going to root out, think of a garden with lots and lots of weeds. We're going to root it out, root out the weeds, and pull down the things that shouldn't be there, and destroy them and throw them down, and then we can build and plant. What happens, we so want to plant the seeds, but we've still got all the weeds there. And so those seeds try and get established, but they're, they're just overwhelmed by these four things, first of all, that haven't happened. And so we're going to root out, pull down, destroy, and throw down. And it's um, if we avoid those steps, and well, growth will be hindered and more challenging, and it will be an uphill struggle against the pull of unhealthy patterns established already like planting seeds in a bed of weeds. Once we have done all those things, and I'm going to summarize them again in a minute, we can start to build and plant. So we remove the obstacles to growth, and then growth will easily happen. We build and plant. So our spirit man is created in the image and likeness of Jesus, and um, it expresses itself through our soul and... uh, so let's just have a look at this chart. Oh, Ephesians 4. Put off the old man and be renewed in the spirit and the mind and put on the new man. So there are actually three stages. So the first two are root out and pull down. And the second is destroy and throw down. And the third is build and plant. Stage one has to do with things that have been established a long time, like our family patterns, things that have been there prior to our faith, but as we know, they're still there, unfortunately, if we haven't renovated. And so every believer needs to take time to go through their past life and close off all the opportunities the enemy had to access them. We want to close the doors to generational sins of the fathers and repeating patterns in your family line. That is stage one. We want to 
We want to deal with those patterns. And it has to be done not just in my head, but it has to be done supernaturally. So we have to pray for this. We have to um, bring the blood. We have to pray. And we are ready to pray with you at the end of, this, of today. Stage two refers really to things that are going on currently. <clears throat> we need to address our current patterns of thought, behavior, and emotions. Whatever present things that, we're dis- that are destructive to our walk with God. So the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds of the present things that are destructive to our walk with God. Every imagination, every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. And then the, the, this last one is to do with the building, building and being discipled into what we're stepping into. So it's, it's talking about where we're going. Acts 20. Um, and now I entrust you to God and the message of his grace that is able to build you up and give you an inheritance with all those he has set apart for himself. The passion, you know, I love that. So now I entrust you into God's hands and the message of his grace, which is all that you need to become strong. All of God's blessings are imparted through the message of his grace, which he provides as a spiritual inheritance given to all of his holy ones. So we're being made strong, but we can't be made strong if we haven't dealt with the family patterns, all these cycles, and we haven't dealt with our current patterns of thinking. Uh, John 8 says, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And the passion. For if you embrace the truth, it will release true freedom into your lives. So it's not by our effort, but it's him stepping in. And we posture ourselves by coming here on a Sunday. We posture our hearts to be able to receive another revelation of of what he wants to do. And I want to um, give us all an opportunity to... um, um, come and pray. We have um, people who are on our Freedom and Wholeness team, and I want to invite you to come and be here, and maybe to have three groups, so like three, three little groupings. And one can be like, so we want to pray. If you feel like you want to deal with family patterns and things, then you would come to this group who's going to come over here. How's that? And then if you want to... Um, to, to deal with destructive patterns that are current or you, you feel like you're stepping out of them but you really need to close the lid on them and just deal with them so that they don't allow the enemy to come back when he's lurking. So that would be another group. We're in the middle here. And then the last group, the third group, if you would like to pray about your growth as a disciple. So... And I just want to, before I do that, give anyone an opportunity. Uh, number one, the most important thing is that we have our spirits saying yes to God. And and so if you haven't already done this, that you would say yes to him this morning, that he's died for you and there's nothing more that you can do to accept salvation. So if you would like to receive salvation this morning, then please come and see me. So I'm going to pray and then I'm going to invite our freedom and wholeness teams to have the uh, stage one stage two and stage three part of stepping into freedom so pick your own spot and I'll just invite you up there <laughs> so father I want to thank you for the hope that we have because salvation is a gift and father thank you that you want to make our gardens just like Eden this beautiful chosen place that you designed for you to come and commune with us in the cool of the day. And so some of us, we want to deal with the family patterns, so we, we ask that you would just shine your light on, on just us agreeing and just making a declaration over you in that and just leading you in some freedom there. I want to pray for those who would like to address current things that they are working with and would like to just say I just want to bring them into the light I, I'm opening up, this is where I'm at and it's okay I'm in process and so 
those people, I just speak grace over you. And then for those who want to grow more, to come and receive encouragement in that. And so I invite our Freedom and Wholeness team to come and um, if you need to sit down and we can make little groupings. But I just want a little bit of movement in here so that so that people can respond. And if you are a Freedom and Wholeness person you want to receive, then go ahead and take a turn of that. But let's at least have the three groups that can be represented at this point. Thank you. And then we will be dismissed. So thank you for being here. And uh, I speak a blessing over your week. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all and remain with you always.